0: morning. I am going to try this morning. I do want you to notice I did say try. That does not mean succeed, but I'm going to try to bring two sections of the Bible together. Then if you read them out of context, they really seem to contradict each other. It's almost like the Bible isn't true. So if you would, and I want you, you to realize that they really, instead of contradicting each other, they complement each other. Paul is looking one way and James is looking another. But yet at the same time, they're standing back to back, defending the same thought and the same process. So if you would, and you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse 14, and we're going to read down to, to 26. I'll give you just a a few minutes to find it there. I want you to understand that this didn't come easy. This came hard. This came with a lot of work, a lot of hours and a lot of studying, a lot of going back and forth and, 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 and trying to decide how to put this together in a way that it could be understood and not misinterpreted. But let's start with verse 14. It says, What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may say, may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one; you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with us with his works and as a result of the works faith was perfected and the scripture were fulfilled which says and Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For just as a body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Now if you would just turn your Bibles back to about six books, to Ephesians, and we're going to read chapter two, and we're just going to read two short verses, verses eight and nine, and I'm sure they're probably familiar to most of us, it's not like these are going to be strange, but let's just read, it says, for by grace you have been saved, through faith and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. Not as a result of work so that no one may boast. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Creator of heaven and earth. Lord Jesus. I pray this morning and I ask you. To open our ears and our eyes. That we could hear the word of God and see the glory of God. That Father you would bless us that we would be able to take this message into our week, that Lord, that we would take it into our lives, that it would just not be something that would just pass through our hearing, but that it would seek into our hearts. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity that you've given me. Father, bless as only you can bless. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, first, I need us to understand that these two sections are so intertwined together that they really cannot be separated. They are like two different sides of the same coin with the edge holding them together called responsibility. There's that nasty word. We do not like responsibility. Our responsibility to salvation we do not like that. Or do we really have a responsibility for it? Do we really have a responsibility to salvation? Because James says it is a gift. Now I want you to understand this is a story of just pure fantasy. So don't get excited because I can guarantee you this will never happen in your lifetime or mine. I bring you a car and it is the car of your dreams. I mean, if it's a Jaguar you want, I bring it. If it's an SUV, if it's a pickup truck, I don't care what it is, I pull up in your driveway with a car of your dreams to your house. It is the exact color you want, the exact interior you want. It has all the bells and whistles you could ever dream of. You look at the glove box, and there is a fuel car for life. You will never buy fuel for this car. There is a car for any garage at any time, any place you need to have it repaired. The tires change, the belts done, the oil changed. it will be there. You will never pay for any of it. There is an insurance card for those of us that have not learned how to drive. You say, okay, what's the catch? How much is it going to cost me? And I tell you nothing. I have paid for everything. You say, Oh, yeah, I want this car. I say, Okay, just sign here. You sign, I hand you the keys, and I walk away. Now, something just happened. And it is huge. It is huge. Because it's not the car. You have just automatically accepted responsibility for the car. It is a gift, but it came with responsibility. How you drive it is your responsibility. When, where, and how you fuel it is your responsibility. If it gets washed and waxed and shined, is your responsibility. Where you are seen driving the car and parking this car and where you use it is your responsibility. Now some may think I just stretched it a bit. So let's turn our Bibles back to the very first book of the Bible. The very first chapter. And see what God says about giving someone something. So if you want to just join me and look at come, because I'm just going to kind of skim along through this first chapter. In verse 1, we can read where God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 3, God created light. Verse 6, God created the expansion and the separations of the waters. Verse 9, God created dry land. And verse 11, he created the vegetation and trees. We can see in 14 that God created the stars, the moon, and the sun. So we can see that God created in verse 20, the birds and the fish in 24. He created the cattle. And then in verse 26, he made man. The next thing God did, well, let's just read verse 26 and let's see. It says then, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now we can see it is just as clear as it can be the very first thing God did with man. The very first thing God did with man was give him responsibility. Now just to make sure we dot all our eyes and cross all of our teeth, let's go on and read chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. Wow. He created it. Adam did not have a thing to do with it. Adam did not make the first tree. He did not shine the first light. He did not grow the first vegetation. But I think it's important that we need to understand that the first thing God did with man was give him the responsibility to tend it and to keep it. God said, I'm giving you something. And what I give you, what I give you, I expect you to take care of. Let's just turn our Bibles over to Exodus chapter 16, verses 4 and 5. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instructions. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. Now I am sure that God could have put the bread in their tents. He could have even put it in the jars that they collected it in. He could have even cooked it for them. No. God gave the Israelites manna and with that manna, he gave them responsibility to go get it. Not only responsibility to go get it, but only go get a certain amount. And on the the, the sixth day to gather enough for two days, responsibility came with the gift that God gave them. When you accept the gift, then you also accept the responsibility. God gave David the kingdom. And he gave him the responsibility of the kingdom. God gave Solomon wisdom and riches. And he gave Solomon the responsibility of that wisdom and riches. The same as Adam created nothing, neither did you. I want you to understand that you did not come to earth from heaven to save anyone. Your blood has no power to take away sin and you did not hang on the cross. You did not raise from the dead. Oh, in your faith, I want you to understand you did not have it without God giving it to you. Romans 10, 7 says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Notice, faith comes from hearing. You did not create hearing. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 13, 15, For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. You see, if the Holy Spirit had not opened your ears to hear the Word of God, you would have refused the Word of God. If the Holy Spirit would have not opened your eyes, you would not have seen Christ on the cross and out the other side of the grave. If the Holy Spirit had not softened your heart you would not have understood the Word of God and would have never came to the Word of God and would never have believed the Word of God. In case you think you made a decision to accept Christ, you need to rethink that. The truth is, God made a decision to save you and that decision was before the foundation of the world. Now, if you think you had the faith to accept Christ, I want you to ask yourself just this Just this one question. When did you create it? When did you create faith? Did you create enough of it? Are you sure you got enough of it to get you through your whole life? Did you create it enough for all of us or just for yourself? Were you selfish? When did you create faith? Because Romans 12.3 says this. For through the grace given to me I say to everyone among you. Not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Now I wonder if that means not to go thinking you created your own faith. But the thing as to uh, have sound judgment. As God has allotted. Allotted meaning giving something to someone as a share. Oh man this is tough. Or a task. To each a measure of Faith. Now we have looked at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. So let's back up back to James chapter 2. And I'm going to read this again just so these words really, really sink in. Because they're really hard to take when you look at them. It says, what use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but he has no works? Can that faith save me? Wait a minute, I just read that James said, I mean, Paul said my, my, my faith was free. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food and one of you says to them go in peace and be warmed and be filled and yet you do not give them what is necessary for the body what use is that? Even so faith if it has no works is dead being by itself. But someone may well say you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture were fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works. And not by faith alone. In the same way was not Rahab the harlot. Also justified by works. When she received the messenger. And sent them out by another way. For just as a body without the spirit is dead. So also faith without works is dead. Wow. Can we even begin to imagine as something that God gave us as being dead? James starts off with verse 14. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but he has no works? Can faith save him? Then he ends with his verse. For just as a body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Those are tough words. They're hard words. But there are words that are true. Because in between them, we're going to see where James speaks of responsibility. Now James speaks of three major categories. And we could break them down to a lot more, but we won't. But the very first one he speaks of is to one another. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food... And one of you says to them, Go in peace and be warmed and be filled. And yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body. What use is that? Now I think this is something in this church we do wonderfully. I'll be honest with you. When James and Jenny needed a well, the the, the church pulled, pulled together and came up with the money. When Charles lost his wife here lately, you've seen the church really pull together and lift up a man that had lost Everything that was so precious to him. I think this church really reaches out to help each other. But now ask yourself this Are you part of that reaching? Or do you just sit back and watch others reach? Our responsibility and then to God. We have a responsibility to God. Because in verse 23 it reads, And the scripture was fulfilled. Which says, and Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. We have a responsibility to God. We have a responsibility for how we act outside this church because we represent God. We have a responsibility to read, to learn, to study His Word. You say, well, you know, I really do not have a lot of time. No, the truth is, you really do not make a lot of time. We have time for the Internet. We have time for computers. We have time for telephones. We have time for games. We have time for TV programs. And, of course, let's not forget, we have time for Facebook. We really have a lot of time. It is just a matter of where we place our responsibilities. Just that simple. And third, we have a responsibility to our families. Parents, you are responsible for teaching your children the word of God. And may I remind you, you cannot teach something you do not learn or do not know. Our responsibility does not end with dragging them to church for an hour on Sunday morning and expecting the church to teach them. Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7, it says, These words which I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Now we could have months of study on these two verses alone, but let's just boil it down to this lesson. If your child does not see you read the Bible, then how can reading the Bible be all that important? If you do not read to your child or talk about what you read, how can the Bible be that important? If your child never sees you pray, or you never pray with your child or over your child. How can praying be that important? Now this was going to sting. If your child never sees you obey the word of God. How can obedience really be that important? Our children learn more by what they see us do than by what they hear us say. As I read this and I put it together, I I said, Holy Spirit, I said, I I need to know where did James come up with this? Who does James think he is to tell me what I need to do, that I need to work because I have faith? Surely, if God gave me faith, I can take care of it. Spirit, inform me real quick. It was not God's job to take care of my faith. God's job is to give me the opportunity to take care of my faith. We need to understand that and we need to realize that and we need to face up to that. God did not give us faith for him to take care of. Our faith he gave us, he gave us for us to take care of. Our work does not give us faith. Our faith gives us works. God will give anyone that desires to take care of what he gave them. The opportunity to do so. Now where did James get this idea of. So let's turn to Matthew. Chapter 25 and read it. We're going to read the entire chapter. So just sit back. Because I want us to remember that these are parables told. By Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. These are not just words written. The warnings. The warnings given to us about taking responsibility for what we have been given. Now to be honest with you, the ending to each parable to me is more than frightening. They can if you really believe the word of God and that God tells the truth... They can scare the hell out of you. I'll be honest with you. If they don't scare you. Then you need to wake up. But what is worse is to think that if you do not teach your children. Responsibility. Well let's just read the the three parables. The parables will only do one of two things. They will make you cling to your faith. Or they will scare you. Matthew chapter chapter 25 verse 1 is a parable of the ten virgins. It's really simple. A lot of times you hear pastors try to make something out of this oh, the oil is the Holy Spirit or, or, or the oil is your faith or the oil is this and they just but let's just read it. Just take it as, as it says. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. They knew they had a responsibility, right? They had responsibility to meet the bridegroom. They understood that. Five of them were foolish and five was prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil and flask along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all ten virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give up some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, No, there will be enough for us, and you too go instead to the dealer and buy some for yourselves." And while they were going away to make the purchase, a bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was Shut. Later, the other virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. All ten virgins knew that they were to greet the Lord and master or bridegroom. Five were responsible enough to bring all, five were not. The five that were responsible were accepted. The five who were not responsible was not accepted. I know this is hard, but I also know this is true. So let's read the next parable and see if we can find out what they have in common because this is a parable of the talent. Really simple. For it's just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. Verse 15, the one he gave five talents. Uh Uh-oh, there we go, we got that given again. And to another two, and to another one. Each one according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Now I want us to repeat verse 15 for us so we can be sure to hear it. But while we do, I want us to remember Romans 12, 3. When we read it through the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to. But to think so as to have sound judgment. As God allowed it to have a measure of faith. When I read it again let us remember this. He allotted to each of them a measure of faith. In this parable he says to his own ability. It says to one he gave five talents. To another two and to another one. Each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who had received the one talent went away, and dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents. Saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Wouldn't that be some wonderful words? When you think about what Steve was talking about this morning. Can you imagine the day you appear before God? Can you imagine that day that you step up And you're looking at the throne of Christ and he says, come on, enter, enter the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. Now I want you to notice what is really scary about here. He knew the master. Do you understand that? He said he knew the master. In fact, he knew him well enough. He knew things about him. He knew he was a hard man. He knew he reaped where he didn't sow. He knew he gathered where he didn't scatter. This man knew his master. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked. Lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. The masters admit you knew me. By your own words, you knew me. Then you should have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more shall be given and he will have an abundance but from the one who does not have listen to this even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness and that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want us to read verse 29 again. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he shall have an abundance. From the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away from him. Can there be any harder words for someone to hear than for Christ to look at him and say, You wicked, lazy, slothful, worthless slave. Oh man, those are some hard words. The same as come into the presence of your Lord. Boy, them are some great words. But also they can come the words that you are useless. You're worthless. I gave you something. And you've done nothing with it. That's simple. I gave you something and you've done nothing. You made a choice. To do nothing with it. Now first we need to understand that talent is money and not song and dance, okay? The purpose of the parable we need to see that God gave something. Two took responsibility for it and one didn't. Notice it was a gift. It was not anything they earned. The last parable called the judgment. Judgment. And I think this opens your eyes. to faith will produce works much more than the other two. The judgment. Verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him. Then He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him. And He will separate them from one another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left depart from me accursed ones unto the eternal fire which had been prepared for the devil and his angels for I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer Lord when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you. Then he will answer them truly I say to you to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these you did not do it to my to me. Can you imagine they polyactor even told him to, we'll pray for you Have a good day. These will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous into eternal life. Are you a sheep? Or are you a goat? Jesus makes it very clear without question that our faith has everything to do with our works. But also our works has everything to do with our faith. Now after this sermon you said one or two things. Thank you Lord I am a sheep. Or you thought this? Who does he think he is judging me? You might even shut off your mind and your ears by now. You know, you you might have just closed up. Well, I want you to really open your mind and your ears now, because I need your attention, and I need it. I need you to listen, because we need to understand something, Adam. Was given responsibility for the garden. Adam failed. Did you notice that? Adam failed. And the first thing he did was run and hide. And the first thing God did was come looking. Adam! Where are you? Come on out here. Let's sit down. Let's have a talk about what you've done. So I can fix it. So I can fix it. Get that scratchy old nasty fig leaf off and let me put on some really soft wool and some lambskin. Let me fix it, Adam. You messed it up. Adam messed it up so bad, he killed the whole universe. You know that? The minute Adam took of that fruit, everything in the garden started to die that had never died. Trees died. Bushes died. Fish died. Animals died. Stars fell. Everything that God had created, Adam destroyed in one bite. Except for God's love for Adam. Let's go back to Israel. And the bread. And the manna. Israel failed God so many times and they had the greatest responsibility they ever had. And that was to spread the message to the world. And they failed, not once. I don't know how many. I don't know if anybody's ever counted how many times Israel failed God, but He always came looking. He always came looking, and He always forgave. Look at David. He failed the responsibility of keeping the kingdom. Bathsheba. And God sent Nathan. The prophet. And Nathan had this message. Don't worry David. Your sin. Will not. Kill you. Oh. The glorious power. Of God. Maybe. Today you have realized. You ain't been responsible for God's Word. You ain't been responsible to God's Word. You know, you kind of slid sideways. You kind of got slack. Reading your Bible, maybe. Okay, sometimes. All right, once in a while. I brought it to church last Sunday. How's that sound? Maybe you've gotten slack at how you're treating others. You know, maybe maybe you've seen so many hungry people later lately standing on the street corner, you're just tired of feeding them. Maybe you just got tired. Maybe you've gotten tired in your prayer life. Well guess what? God's still knocking. God's still knocking. And God sent his son. To die for those sins. And you know all that God wants you to do? Only one thing. Come. Sit down. Let's talk about it. That's what God wants. Come and talk to me. Let's have a conversation. About how you're doing this faith. And worship thing. Let's examine Let's see how you're doing. God died for that purpose. Can you imagine that? I have trouble with that. To know that God died for me to be able to approach Him and say, Father, we need to talk. I have really messed up. I have blowed it. You gave me a responsibility and I dropped the ball. Again. Not the first time, not the second time, not the third time, but again. Father, we need to talk. And I had the assurance that God will say this. Come on. Sit down. Let's talk. Ain't that wonderful? Ain't that glorious? Ain't that loving? To know that God is that forgiving. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Creator of heaven and earth. Oh, Lord Jesus. How do we say thank you? Where do, where do we go? What where do, where do we do? Lord, that you not only died for us at You just want to have a relationship with us. Let's talk about it. Let's just talk about it. Come. Come as you are. You know, if you've failed in that responsibility, talk to God. God wants to talk to you. He just says, come. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I think Mark's got some announcements.
1: I don't think I have any announcements. Unless. Don't forget the books in the back. That's the only thing. That's the only thing. Okay, we've got. If you were here last week, you are well aware. But take another look. If not, somebody gave us a bunch of books. They cleaned out their personal library. We've got it spread out in the Fellowship Hall, and they are yours for the taking. Get in there and take a look and find one or two, or Sam will be more than happy to help you make a couple trips to your car carrying arm of on them. I'll hold the door for him while he, while he does. Um, but help yourself to some of those books. Take a look. There's, there's still quite a few left, so do not be bashful. If, uh, if you loaded up last week, go take another look. Maybe now that the piles are a little smaller, you can see a little bit easier. If you weren't here last week, get in there and look, there's still a lot of great stuff left. What a what a great message this morning. Are you taking care of what God has given you? But are you burying it? Or are you squandering it? Or are you taking care of it? Are you taking care of it in such a way that it glorifies and honors Him? Or are you just kind of taking care of it for yourself? Because well, that's, I just sat back there thinking through this. How often do I just take care of the gifts God has given me as a way to serve myself? How often do I come into church because well, I just need some encouragement? How often do I open God's word because I need some encouragement? I'm supposed to be using that not just for me, but for the rest of you and for everybody in this community. What a great challenge, Sam. Thank you so much for sharing your heart with us this morning. We heard several prayer requests this morning. Please do not forget to lift one another up in prayer this week. That's all we have. You are dismissed. Sam, ladies meeting next Saturday. Ladies meeting next Saturday? That's correct. Am I right, friend? Yes. Okay. Second Saturday. The second Saturday. So the next Saturday will be the second Saturday. What time? 11.30. 11.30. Is there going to be food? What time? 10. Oh, o'clock. Oh, I'm sorry. 10, 10 o'clock. I'm oh, sorry. But they'll still be here at 11.30 if you can hear that. But, but you'll, you will have missed 90 minutes worth of good stuff.
0: We'll be over by
1: 11.30. So 10 o'clock Saturday morning, women's meeting right here in this room. Anything else? Yeah, a week after this Saturday's women's meeting, Gators are gonna be at Alabama at home.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and if
1: that prophetic word does not come
0: true,
1: in a couple weeks we're gonna hear some some we're gonna hear about it, right? Yeah, we'll hear about it. Somebody will be gloating or eating crows. One, one or the other. One or the other. Any anything else? You are dismissed. We love you. You guys have a great week. Take care of yourselves. And don't forget to check out the books.